Welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hemmerker. In each episode, she'll talk with your favorite romantic suspense authors. They will take you behind the scenes of the writing process, giving excerpts from their writing, and share stories about their writing life. Hello, and welcome to The Romantic Side of Suspense. I'm your host, Sarah Hammerker, and I'm so glad you joined me. This episode, you're going to hear about this month's new releases in Christian romantic suspense. I hope you will enjoy hearing from your favorite romantic suspense authors as they talk about the background of their latest books. Hi, and now we have Terry Reed, and she's going to be talking about her newest release, Explosive Trail. So welcome to my show, Terry. Thank you for having me. So we're going to start with your your heroine. Uh, what did she want to be as a kid, and did she end up becoming that person? She did become the person she wanted to be. When she was young, she loved to be in the parks and go hiking, and she always wanted to, you know, spend her time in the park. She thought she would be a park ranger. She ended up actually becoming a canine officer, who patrols the parks and keeps them safe. Oh, that's, that's a great job, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so... She gets to have a best friend with her. Yes, yeah, yeah, and still be out in the woods like she wanted to. So that's, right. I love, it when we can, I love it when we can do that for our heroes and heroines, give them what, yeah. what they wanted to be. So let's, right. let's switch to your, um, to your hero. What, was, what is his greatest fear? What is he afraid of? He is afraid of losing his wife, losing his, losing people. He's afraid of loss, and that really drives him. It drives him away from the heroine, and then it also drives him back to her. Ah, that nice push-pull of our overcoming our fears. It is, it is. Um, and so let's talk about our antagonist our villains. Um, what's one redeeming quality about yours? Well, the villain in this story, without revealing too much, um, of course. He, yeah, he, he is driven by um, love, actually. He's driven by the love of um, those he's lost, those um, he wants to, you know, avenge. Yeah. So that's that's really his um, redeeming quality <laughs> is mm. that he's driven by love. All right, um, and so I, I know you talked about your heroine wanting to be in the woods and hiking. So, how does your setting? It must be somewhere in the woods and mountains or something like that. How does that move your story forward? You're right. The story is set in the Olympic National Forest and. It moves the story forward as she is patrolling and there is a mad bomber on the loose in the park terrorizing the park and it's her job to try to make others safe and make the park safe and she comes across this, um, a bomb that hasn't gone off yet in the opening scene and from there it propels her forward to track down this mad bomber and bring him to justice mm. and she moves yeah so she and her dog and the hero 
move through the park. And the Olympic National Forest has so many different types of terrain. There's a rainforest, there's the beach access, there's kind of a deserty area, there's deep, dense forest, it's, uh, and ice glaciers up at one point in it. And it, it was really fun to be able to use all of the different settings to move the story forward. Oh, yeah, that is fascinating. Um, and so what was the hardest part of writing Explosive Trail? Sounds like it's had, you had to think about a lot of things. There were a lot of moving pieces in this book. So this is the third book in a continuity series called Pacific Northwest Canine Unit. The first two books have already come out, and this is the third, and it comes out next month, um, or this month by the time. Yeah. <laughs> by the time this it's airs, out now, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's out now. And so there, there was the moving part of keeping the continuity thread moving through the story while not overtaking the story. And then there was the hero and heroine. And this is an estranged couple who, because of various different issues, separated. And the heroine, as the story opens, discovers she's pregnant. And then she's being targeted by the bomber. And the hero comes to help protect her. She doesn't want his protection, but yet she still really loves him. And so the hardest part was writing an estranged couple and trying to figure out how they were going to overcome what drew them apart in the first place. Mm. I'd never Wonderful. written a story like that. Yeah. So yeah, was, yeah, was, that would be challenging. Was, yeah, I had to dig deep. Yes, yeah, wonderful. So what is one thing you want readers to know about your book? That it's a story of redemption and the driving force of love. I think on so many different levels that, um, you know, the hero and heroine are driven by love for each other, love for the park, love for humanity, the villains driven by love, um, and the continuity thread that runs through all the books um, also has a theme of friendship love that um, my heroine is really working towards bringing her friend to um, bringing her friend in that runs through the continuity and she's driven by love so yeah I think it's it's a book of redemption and love yeah that sounds wonderful well thank you for sharing about explosive trail on my show well thank you for having me and I hope that um, everyone will enjoy the book And now I'm talking with Linda W. Rooks, and she's talking about her romantic suspense book, Pieces of Dark, Pieces of Light. So welcome to my show, Linda. Well, thank you for having me on, Sarah. So we're just going to dive right in and talk about your heroine. Now, how does she feel about love at the start of your story? Well, Jenna is divorced. Um, Her husband divorced her seven years earlier um, to marry another woman. And so she has a great deal of disdain for him, and she's not interested in love or romance at all herself. And um, at this point, she just pretty much spends her time and efforts on the children at school. She's a school teacher, and uh, she has a great um, devotion to her brothers. There's a very strong 
brother-sister relationship that runs out through the story. Um, so she's real devoted to him, but she has no interest in love at all at the beginning of the story. Uh, she, but she's a good sport, and she's unpretentious, and she's a, um, just a, a nice person, so she doesn't hold a lot of bitterness or anything like that. Yeah, a cue, enter the hero. So, so what is his greatest fear? Well, Jansen LaMarche is an American diplomat, and he has been given the assignment of negotiating with the leaders of Tajikistan to save the world from the threat of weapons of mass destruction. His main fear is not completing the mission that he has been delegated to and has several reasons to fear this. Uh, one, uh, one of them is that he has a health issue that he's been ignoring for some time, and he's grown more, and it's grown more serious, and really threatens mm. to interfere with his being able to do the mission at all. And secondly, he's afraid of telling the women in his life about his medical condition because he's afraid they're going to try to talk him out of continuing, and he really wants to do it. So he's kind of just doing it all by himself. You know, he's holding it, everything mm. in as a secret. Um, and it's getting worse. And, and then finally, he knows that unknown terrorists are trying to get the weapons, and he's afraid they they might succeed before he can successfully negotiate to contain them. So all of these things just keep um, working around and around and propelling the story forward with all of the complications that come from these different fears. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. And so um, you mentioned you know, that there's bad guys in this story. So who does your number one bad guy? What is What does he or she love the most? Well, the villain, the bad guy is a terrorist in Tajikistan. He really is. He really is a villain. He's a bad guy. <laughs> and he is driven by a great loyalty to his deceased father, who left him a legacy mm. and expected his son to carry out the mission that he himself was unable to finish. So the villain's obsession is to carry out his father's plan. And the thing that makes him even more determined to complete it is because when the villain was a child, he himself had inadvertently caused complications um, for the whole thing to be carried out. So he is really determined to carry out his father's wishes and nothing is going to stop him now particularly not Jansen LaMarche, whom he mm. knew when they were children. Ah, oh, plot twist. Okay. <laughs> so let's... Well, uh, lots let's of relationships yeah. there. <laughs> yes, yeah, lot, lots, of, lots of threads driving, drawing everyone together. So let's switch to the setting. I know that um, the setting, it can be so important to, you know, creating atmosphere and also conflict in our story. So why did you pick this particular setting? Well, there's actually two main settings. One is in Washington, D.C., um, because that's where all of the the, the characters live, and the, it's the um, governmental seat of power where all the decisions are being made. But secondly, it's in Tajikistan, the country of Tajikistan. And the reason that I picked Tajikistan is that I needed a country in the Middle East, and I needed an obscure country where the main character's family connections could play an important part. And he's, mm. his being chosen as the diplomat to solve the world crisis because it's because of his uncle being um, 
the uh, prime minister of Tajikistan that he actually has chosen to be the diplomat. So there's a whole bunch of the family connections throughout the whole book are really important. And and also I needed a fairly neutral country politically, which was not overtly non-American and not known to have as a haven for terrorists either. And I needed a poor country where money could be a necessary and valuable negotiating tool for Jansen Lamarche when he goes to negotiate. So the reason I picked Tajikistan, which a lot of people have never heard of, was partly mm-hmm. because nobody's ever heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank goodness there are those, we can still find those places um, for our writing um, opportunities. And did so was that one of the hardest parts of writing the book, or was there another part about writing this book that was particularly difficult for you? No, actually the hardest part of writing this book is um, it's also futuristic. So it's set in the future. It's set in 2052. So the <coughs> hardest part of writing it was just envisioning the world as it will exist in the future and trying to create a world where what's normal in that world isn't normal in our world today. <laughs> so right. um, just projecting into the future in terms of the cultural norms and things that people use in daily life, um, you know, trying to be think in the future was a real challenge. And the, the funniest part of it is that um, I, I started writing this a number of years ago, and so the things I invented started actually coming true. <laughs> Oh, I, no. <laughs> I had a cell watch before we actually started having smart watches. <laughs> so mm. I had the watch, you know, and then, oh, well, we already have watches. So that wasn't so new anymore. And I came up with a robot vacuum cleaner, and now we have them. So that was kind right. of funny as I was going along. And and also, um, I need I have time travel in the story, and that required a lot of research. Just to make it mm. believable, you know, I had I wanted it to be totally believable and and work in our own time. So, right. um, so I had to do a lot of you know research into wormholes and nanotechnology and stuff like that. And, and fun um, stuff. So that that was probably the biggest <laughs> challenge, just just the whole idea of future. Because I also wanted to keep it very relevant to readers. I didn't want it mm. to be some crazy, you know, futuristic thing. I wanted it to be real relevant right. to, to the people today, you know. So. <laughs> well, that, that sounds very, very fascinating. Um, and let, we're going to close our little segment now, Linda, with what's one thing you want readers to know about Pieces of Dark, Pieces of Light? Well, while this is a, is a suspense thriller, um, what what I really want people to know is that the underlying theme of the story demonstrates how the pieces of dark in life fit in with the pieces of light. And in the end, no matter how dark things seem to get, the light will eventually overpower the darkness. It's a Romans 8.28 theme, really. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And my books are all about hope, and I want my readers to always know that in my books, hope will always shine through. Ah, I love that. It's a great way to end our segment. So thank you so much for sharing about your book today. Well, thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. And now I'm talking to Debbie Juicy. 
She's going to talk about her latest romantic suspense, Amish Blast Investigation. So welcome to my show, Debbie. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm just thrilled to be with you, Sarah. So we're going to talk about your, yeah, welcome, um, about your heroine and if she has or could have a pet in Amish Blast Investigation, what would it be? And if the, if you do have a pet, what's the pet's name? Well, she does have one, although it's not hers. It's uh, a customer's of hers. And if the um, the listeners can see the cover of the book, Amish Blast Investigation, there is uh, an explosion at the beginning of the book. So it's not a spoiler alert, but um, okay. you can see it from the title. And uh, the customer who's in the um, – she works in an Amish bakery, and so he is uh, killed in the explosion, this elderly gentleman who has become a friend to her. He's an Englisher, and he has a little beagle puppy who just stole my heart the minute I put her on the page. You know, she, these little um, – little secondary characters like a little puppy would be, um, you know, you start out and you think, oh, this is just kind of a, just a, a, a small little part of the book. But then that, I don't know about you, but for me, the little puppies just take my heart and steal it. And um, of course, they, she, Sadie has a lot uh, to do in the book, a, a nice little part. And then she follows my uh, heroine home and, and that's where she stays from then on. So um, yes, my heroine does have a puppy, Sadie, a little beagle puppy. Who's the oh, character? that's one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it how sometimes um, either people or, or animals or sometimes even places can just kind of take, off, take over our stories. So <clears throat> nice to know that Sadie kind of wormed her way into her, into, onto the pages more. Um, yeah, so let's definitely. switch to your hero. Um, what's holding him back from finding love in your story? Well, Luke Snyder is this Englisher. He is the son of the gentleman who was killed in the blast explosion. And he was abandoned by his father when he was 10 years old. And so he always has that deep hurt interiorly. And because of being abandoned, he didn't have a relationship with his father, except some memories, some fond memories that he has, but yet always this hurt um, just supersedes anything that he has, any of those good memories. And also I think mm. often because, um, when somebody is hurt by a, um, an earthly father, they also struggle with their heavenly father. And uh, Luke's mother had little to no faith, and so he wasn't really brought up. He did learn a little bit from a housekeeper about the Lord, but so he has an emptiness there in his heart. And, of course, he doesn't have God to reach out to when he feels that hurt because of his earthly father. So because of all that, those wounds in his past, then it's very difficult for him to reach out and love someone else. So um, especially because, you know, I think sometimes when we've been hurt, we we feel very unloved. And then we think Mm. no one will, especially if God doesn't love us, then certainly no one around us will love. And so that he has really closed his heart. And it, it, you know, has to he has to find the right woman, and um, things have to, have to happen so that he can heal and then be able to find love, which happens in ah. the story, of course, because we know this yeah, is of a course. romance. <laughs> yeah. So let's switch to your villain. Um, we're talking. We'll continue the love theme. So, who or what does your villain love the most? Well, the loves himself. He's uh, totally narcissistic, as 
many villains are, I'm afraid. You know, he wants power, he wants wealth, he wants notoriety, and he will uh, get it in whatever way he can, and of course, all nefarious ways. And um, so he is uh, throughout the book and causing more than mischief, really danger and um, mayhem throughout. So again, that narcissistic person who is self-serving on the outside, some might might see him and think that he's a decent person, but interiorly we know that that um, there there is just a darkness within that comes out in the story. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk about the story setting. What what drew you to that? Why did you decide this is where you need to put Amish Blast investigation? Well, I've been writing about the North Georgia mountains. I live in the uh, in a <clears throat> suburb, well, a little town south of Atlanta. Georgia, and so the North Georgia mountains are a lovely area, um, rolling hills, not really mountains. We call them mountains in Georgia, but they're nothing <laughs> like the Rockies or, you know, anything like that, but um, just beautiful setting, but great for suspense because of, um, oh, the the wooded areas, the, the lakes, the creeks, there's a lot of um, places where folks can get lost out in the mm. wilderness, there's also, um, you know, at night it becomes uh, somewhat treacherous up there as well. Uh, so I, I love that setting because it really adds to the suspense, I think. And so I have a uh, fictional Amish community that I have in the North Georgia mountains. And um, it's just a, a nice setting with the farms tucked away in the little valleys and um, uh, a, a beautiful uh, setting, I think, uh, in one way, but then also that suspenseful setting adds to it as well. And then part of the book is in Tennessee, so I have my characters go up to an area in Tennessee. And again, that's a beautiful state, so I try to um, describe the state. And it's not far from Georgia and the North Georgia Mountains, so they can get there easily and then, you know, come back when they need to. So um, I've enjoyed writing about both Georgia and Tennessee sometimes is in my stories as well, just because another beautiful state in this area. And I like to write yeah. about what I know. You know, I mean, we can do research, and I've done that and written about other stories, but, but I, I just really enjoy the North Georgia Mountains. I had a, two children that went to college in that area, so we know it well, and, and uh, we go up there often, so it really is a beautiful area. Yeah, no, no, it is. America has so many beautiful areas. I'm glad we get to get to write about them in our stories. So well, what was the, yeah. So what about the genesis of this story? How did where did this idea for the plot come from? Well, I usually start. You know, people ask. Readers often ask, "How did you get the idea for your story?" And it seems like usually I will see something that will be my opening <clears throat> scene, in a story. Mm-hmm. and I might not have anything else, but I have that opening scene, or at least a portion of it, and that pulls me in. And then from there, I have to say, "Oh, what's happened at that?" location or in that whatever I'm seeing in that beginning section. So I was reading, I like to keep up with what's happening in the various Amish communities, Holmes County, you know, Etheridge is a a community in Tennessee that I've been to and and Holmes County as well. And we lived, I lived in Pennsylvania. So near all of that as well in, in Pennsylvania and lived in Ohio. So I was reading one day that a store had burned down in an Amish community. And although no one was injured and it was not a bakery, my mind, as you know, Sarah, with writers, Mm -hmm. go, what if, what if, what if? And that what if got me to having this 
Amish baker working at Zook's Bakery and then having this explosion at the very beginning of the story that then propels the story from there on. So for me, it was just that beginning nugget, really, of the fire in, a, in an Amish store and what if. So, um, you know, I, it's amazing how things develop, isn't it, when you just have a mm-hmm. teeny tiny spark of an idea and then <clears throat> sort of like... Yep. It just bursts into flame, and you can see the story. You know, it, it starts um, evolving, which is a, a wonderful thing. So that's where yeah, so, um, yeah, I it sounds like a great – I'm right with you on the what ifs. I'm always asking what ifs. So yeah. we're going to segue into our last question, which is, what's one thing you want readers to know about Amish Blast Investigation? Well, there's a, a – a, a small thread in here, and I don't want any reader to think that, oh, my goodness, she's going into um, another, you know, area that I don't even want to want to think about. But I did want to talk a little bit about um, Amish farms are decreasing. Farmers are having uh, – land is so expensive now, so farms are hard to come by. Many of the farmers are selling their land to big buyers that are coming in. And I do see our small farms – even whether they're Amish or not, even in my area, it seems like we're losing some of our small farms, and that worries me. I hear about the big conglomerates that are coming in, and sometimes their practices are not um, as, not as, as um, beneficial, I think, for the consumer maybe than some of the big big um, mm-hmm. powerhouse um, things. I, I think we have to be careful about what's going on now. So I just wanted to kind of um, increase awareness that this is a problem about our farmland, and that I think we need to be tuned into who's buying our land and what they're using it for. And, um, you know, I'm, I go to my farmer's market every Saturday morning, get my fresh vegetables, often buy beef from my local, local rancher. You know, just I, I like that natural and organic and, and homegrown produce and um, products, and so um, just to let people know that there is an element that would like to um, do away with some of those small farms and and the Amish farms as well as the small farms in our area. So again, this is just a light thread that is in the story, but it does have something to do with the story and um, was something that I um, wanted to, uh, to address through this book in a very light way again. So I think um, most of our readers love that spiritual element as well. And, of course, we always have that where the characters, usually they have some kind of a faith in my stories, and then they were a- are able to, to realize that God has loved them all the way through. Often they're like my character. Luke begins by not thinking that he is loved by God, has very little relationship with the Lord and then comes through the realization that the Lord has been there with him the whole time mm. and loves him abundantly and unconditionally. So that's that's another very important and lightly threaded uh, part of that story. So for both of those reasons. No, I well, well thank you. Yeah. I the story. I enjoyed um, writing it. It's always fun to get those new characters and have a little puppy and um, and just see what happens with the suspense. Well, thank you for being on my show today, Debbie. Thank you, Sarah, so much. I appreciate it. 
Next up, we have Heidi Glick. Her new book, Hold for Release, is going to be the topic of our discussion. So welcome to my show, Heidi. Thank you for having me here. So we're going to dive right in and talk about your heroine. What did she want to be when she grew up, and did she actually become that person? Well, Carlota Hartman, she wanted to become a librarian. Um, She grew up in a family where her mom was an alcoholic, and she kind of had a rough childhood. And as a child, books were a refuge for her. So she wanted Mm -hmm. to become a librarian, and she does. She becomes a librarian at the Hyde Park branch of the Cincinnati Public Library System. Ah, wonderful. It's always nice when we can give our heroines, our heroes, our characters their dream. (laughs) Yes. So let's switch over to your hero. What's his greatest fear? His greatest fear. Well, I would say relationship woes. Mm. Um, He also kind of had a bit of a troubled childhood, and so he wants to make things work with his wife, but at the same time he has a lot of insecurities, so that kind of plays into that. Um, So relational fears, definitely. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that. So um, let's switch over to our villain, our antagonist. Who or what does your villain love the most? Well, he loves himself, and, of course, he likes revenge. Oh, yeah. Well, those are two good things to make him a villain. (laughs) Yeah. So um, the setting, what was the biggest challenge in writing the book and where you set it? Well, I think a big challenge for me is it. my story is set in Cincinnati, the greater Cincinnati area, and my husband and I lived in Mason, which is a suburb of Cincinnati. We lived there for about 10 years. Mm. And so I think one challenge for me was going back, because I haven't lived there for several years. We moved away. We moved up north um, to northwest Ohio, and so kind of going back and kind of uh, just wanting to make sure I got the details correct and going back over that. So um, that was maybe a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, because we think we know something. If we haven't been there in several years, lots of things change. Right. Yes, <laughs> definitely. So why did you want to write? What What was it about this particular story that made you want to write it? Well, talking with other readers, I had readers say that they would like to see more books where the romance um, involved a married couple. Mm. And so I came up with the idea of a couple whose marriage is on the rocks, and then I thought about how their um, story would fit in with the suspense plot. And so ah. I from there. Yeah, that, that does sound interesting. All right, we're going to close our little interview now with what's one thing you want readers to know about Hold for Release? Well, the book explores the theme of forgiveness. In the end, one character will choose forgiveness and one will choose revenge. The Bible Mm. says we're sinners and we sin and people sin against us. At the end of the day, we can choose forgiveness toward those who have sinned against us or bitterness. And I want readers to know that it, it, it can be hard to forgive Um, it's not always a one-time event. Sometimes it's a continual process, but I believe that with God's help, we can choose to forgive. Oh, that's lovely. I love it when we can give readers 
maybe some encouragement, some hope, some just, you know, that's one thing about writing Christian romantic suspense that I really love. So thank you for including that in your book. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on your podcast. All right. Yes, and thanks for being on my podcast as well. Now we're going to talk with Jennifer Pierce, and she's going to share about her book, Run Away, from a collection of novels under Stay With Me title. So, Jennifer, welcome to my show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So in Runaway, how does your heroine feel about love at the start of your story? Well, at the beginning, she's kind of skeptical. She's always played, um, she's always in second compared to her sister, her twin sister, actually, um, twin sister Cassie, and then the heroine is Bethany. So it's kind of like the Brady Bunch thing, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. You know, it's always been it's always been Cassie. It's always been Cassie. Um, Cassie stole Bethany's, um, well, he wasn't a boyfriend yet, but she had a big crush on him. Um, so Cassie kind of stole him away from her. So she's kind of been a little jaded um, about love. You know, nobody's going to love me for me. I'm always going to be Cassie's sister Mm, yeah yeah i think we can all relate to to that whether we had sisters or friends or (laughs) yeah or what so let's switch over to your hero and what 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 is his greatest fear in this book his greatest fear is causing someone else's death Um, you'll learn through the book that he blames himself for the death of at least two people um, and then it comes through the book that he wasn't responsible and he kind of let the guilt go. But that's his, you know, his greatest fear is getting involved in causing someone to die. Oh, yeah. And what about your villain? Because I love it in romantic suspense we have. We can have some pretty fun fun to write bad guys so or bad girls. So who or what does your villain in this story love the most? He loves himself the most. It is all about the villain and what the villain wants and what the villain needs he's going to get. Um, I can't tell you a whole lot without spoiling it. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, sure. It's all, it's all motivated, motivated by his love of himself, pride, I guess. Yeah, that can lead us into some dark places for sure. Um, and so it sounds like you based, um, that you have this story set in a fictitious place, but did you base it on a real a real um, area or city? <clears throat> no, I didn't. Um, I, it does take place in my home state, um, Arkansas, but as far as using a real state and a real city, no, I didn't um, because I don't like to do a lot of research because I don't want to get something wrong and get called mm. out on it. <laughs> <laughs> So you just made it up entirely. Oh, I've made it up entirely, yes. Yeah, yeah. That that's fun. I yeah, I enjoy doing that too. And let's let's flip too, because even though we write romantic suspense where sometimes we you know, the bad guys or gals do a lot of bad things, we can still have underlying positive messages. So which what is do you feel is runaway's underlying positive message? Um, I feel that it is that God is in control. Um, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those 
who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Um, you know, there's going to be bad things in your life that are going to happen, but God is going to use those um, and direct your steps, and he's in control, and it's going to work out. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing to remind ourselves as we write these stories and, and our readers as well. So we're going to close our little time together, Jennifer, with uh, what's one thing that you want readers to know about Runaway? Okay, Runaway is going to be the prequel to a four-book series following the Blake family. And in um, Runaway, you meet three of the four of the the main characters that will each have their own books later. Mm. But it sounds like it's a standalone story on its own. It is a standalone story on its own. Well, thank you for sharing about your book on my show, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I have Lisa Harris, The Lies We Believe, up next. Lisa, welcome to my show. Thanks so much for having me. So let's get right to it. We're going to start with your heroine, Ladies First. Um, (laughs) How does your heroine feel about love at the beginning of The Lies We Believe? Um, She has actually been betrayed deeply. And so love is not really at all in in her vision, in her mind. She's a single mom taking care of her two kids. And um, that really is her entire focus. And so love is going to take her, but it's going to take her by surprise. Mm, I love that. So let's switch to your hero. What's holding him back from finding love in this story? Um, Tucker Shaw is actually a a deputy U.S. marshal, but he is really plagued by a lot of guilt of something that happened when he was a child. Um, And so that that'll kind of play out in the book and actually throughout the series of something that's really given him motivation, but also that held him back from relationships. And let's, uh, let's switch to our, our villain and feel free to use the generic pronoun. They, if you don't want to give them him or her (laughs) way. Um, So who or what does your villain love the most in this story? Um, The first thing that came to my mind was, himself or themselves, Um, somebody who is, uh, you know, somebody goes down the wrong path and they just, it just becomes like a spiral, um, becoming more and more selfish, more and more just forgetting the consequences. And unfortunately, it has a really devastating effect on a lot of people, but um, someone who's really self-focused. Yeah, that can definitely take us down a path we probably shouldn't go. Yeah, yeah. We and focus not, on not always planned either, but yes. yeah, unfortunately, I think that common. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's let's switch to the story setting because that can play such a big part of our stories. Why did you pick this particular place to set your story? Well, I wanted to set it in Texas, and I ended up setting it in the Austin area. Um, there was. <laughs> Kind of the main reason, and this seems kind of silly, but there's this German farmhouse that's in it, and they have a lot of them in those areas. And so Mm. doing research and stuff, and I live in Texas now, so that's why I wanted it to be Texas. But the setting just kind of seemed perfect for what I needed. And um, so I just, yeah, and that was also a part of Texas that I haven't written a story in. So it's it's been kind of fun. Yeah, and and what about the idea for this story? How did that come about? 
Um, <clears throat> this is probably going to sound like a weird beginning, but um, this is a psychological thriller. And um, in the storyline, Riley is afraid that she is losing her mind. Her mother had mental health issues. And it's actually something that I dealt with for a long time. My father had some very serious mental health issues, and I was afraid for a very long time that I, that was going to happen to me. Like all of a sudden one day I was just going to, a, a, a switch was going to flip and I was just going to lose it. Mm. Um, thankfully I don't, I don't feel that way anymore, but it was a real fear. And I just kind of wanted to explore a story like that. Um, I just, I just found it interesting. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take that experience from my life and um, make it into, you know, a, a thriller. Oh, yeah, no, it sounds I always love it when we can, as writers, explore something that's personal to us <laughs> on the, right, on the fiction yeah. page. It does, and it is, yeah, it is personal, but I just, I do find it kind of fascinating too. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're going to wrap up uh, our little interview today with what is one thing you want readers to know about the lies we believe? Um, if you, if people that love psychological thrillers, especially in the secular market, they can be very raw, very. Um, very secular. <laughs> and, but one thing that I was reading in, a, in an article was that they need to also have hope. And um, the storylines need to have some hope. And I thought, well, isn't that perfect? Because how do you make a psychological thriller, you know, with a Christian thread? But everybody needs hope and everybody's looking for hope. And so while I'm excited about the story, um, that spiritual nugget, you know, one of the, the phrases in the story that I'm using is, but God, you know, everything can be so horrible, but God can redeem everything. And so yeah. um, part of finding hope in the, in the worst of a situation. Um, but I love that the hope in this storyline is God and is that hope that we have. Ah, I love that, Lisa. Well, thank you so much for sharing about the hope in your story and about the lies we believe. Well, thanks again for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Romantic Side of Suspense with Sarah Hammerker. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. You can sign up to receive notifications of upcoming podcasts and listen to previous editions at sarahhammakerfiction.com.